thank you for being here again this morning. We're going to begin the sermon. The sermon this morning is uh, really to encourage you and encourage me to draw closer to God. To draw closer to Him. To your Heavenly Father. He loves you. That song that we just sang, beautiful. We're going to sing it again at the end, so hopefully we'll learn it. But let's pray and ask God to help us. Even with the sun beating down on us and all the other distractions around us, help us to draw close to Him this morning. Father God, we thank you so much for your love for us. We know that you love us because you sent your one and only Son, Jesus. We thank you for the work that he has done to bring us back to you. We're so grateful for that. Help us as we look into your word to to know that it's your word. These are your words by your spirit that you're speaking to us this morning. Help us to take it personal. To not think it's for somebody else. But to know that you formed us and made us just like you made that precious baby. And you have a purpose for us. To live in Christ. To be renewed in your word and to be strengthened by it. So that we can fulfill the purposes you have on us. We thank you for that assurance we have in Christ we pray. Amen. Well, you ready to get into God's word? Let's hear that horn again. Someone's beeping their horn. I like that. Yeah, there we go. All right. Let's get into God's word this morning. Let's face it. There's times when the Christian life is really hard. It's not easy. Uh, It would be nice if it was easy. But the reason why the Christian life is sometimes hard is because relationships are hard. They take work. And so a relationship with God still takes some work, right? We've got to keep it going. We've got to keep communicating. We've got to keep praying. We've got to keep seeking after God. Just like we are in relationship with other people, we're in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And even our relationship with God seems distant sometimes. And we can feel like it's difficult to connect. Someone was sharing with me this week that, Oh, Pastor Tom, I don't like outside church. It's too difficult to connect. Right, because it's a different environment. There's, you know, a whole bunch of sunshine. There's a whole bunch of trees. There's a whole bunch of other things that can distract us. We're used to being in that little white room in there with the red carpet, and it's very contained. Right? We don't get distracted so easily. Though it's easy to connect when we're inside. I guess we've gotten used to it. So being outside is a little more challenging. But think about it. Jesus taught outside. He taught on the mountainside. He taught in a boat to the people on the beach. Right? So they could do it, so I know you can do it. You can concentrate on the words of God here this morning with me. It is possible. So let's do that together. We want to connect with God. We want to feel close to Him. Like the believers who are being preached to in the book of Hebrews, we're faced with all kinds of tremendous pressures in this life, pressures that that tempt us to drift away from this intimacy that we have with Jesus. And drift away from the community, the church. COVID has been tough. It has pushed us into these isolated places. And and God wants you to know that he's inviting you back. He wants you to draw back into this closeness with him and closeness with his body. That is what you were created for, to be a member of God's body. He doesn't want us drifting away. However, through the words of, of Hebrews... The Lord invites us to pay attention, to move forward, to draw near, to live lives of worship. 
And in our hearts, that's what we want too. That's the desire of our hearts. If we're born again of the Spirit, we are drawn to God. We want to draw nearer and nearer to Him because He is so good, like that song says. He is so good. And we love that goodness. So Hebrews 9, this chapter is challenging to us. We've been in it for a couple weeks now. It's challenging for one reason. It's strange sounding to our modern ears. It's just kind of weird. Like, think about the things we've been reading about. It involves a tabernacle. We don't have a tabernacle. Lampstands, a table for holy bread, a holy place, a curtain that separates the holy place from the most holy place, in which there's a golden altar and there's incense that's burning, and there's gold-covered ark within in, in there. And inside the ark, there's a gold jar with manna in it. And then there's a staff that Aaron used. And then there's some stone tablets that contain the Ten Commandments. And above that ark, there's this cherub this cherubim of glory that, that is, is arched over that ark. These things are weird to us. This is not our normal place for worship, right? This is very foreign sounding, very distant. And the preacher in Hebrew says, actually in that passage, he says, we cannot discuss these things in detail right now. So in other words, don't get distracted by all that strangeness. But then he goes on to talk about blood. So much blood. Again, we talked about this last week. Like blood for us is, you know, it's very scientific. We see it in test tubes. We know that we need it. We get blood transfusions and things like that. But we don't think about, in, about it in a sacred way like they had been taught to, to, to think about it. So how are we supposed to respond when scriptures sound so strange, so weird to us? Well, I know it's tempting for some of us to just skip over these scriptures. And maybe you've done this in your Christian life. When you get to a passage that you don't understand, you're just like, oh, I don't get it. And you just keep moving on. You just forget about it. But I don't want us to do that because it's something very important for us. It's tempting to say, it's so strange, it can't be relevant to me. Not in my life, not today. But remember, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, which we've already covered. It tells us that God's word is living and active. So just because it sounds strange and it is from a, a long ago history doesn't mean it's dead. It's still alive and it needs to be activated in our lives. Second Timothy 3.16 teaches us all scripture, even the weird passages, are inspired by God and they are useful for teaching us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. And then correct those things that are wrong and teach us how to live right lives. Right, right lives are lives that are in right relationship with God, through Christ, and also with those around us. So in Hebrews 9, we can learn that God has used the strange and ancient religious practices of a tiny nation over in the Middle East to teach us something amazing and life-changing. I'll give you a hint about that amazing thing. The hint is, God wants a close relationship with you. Why? I don't know. He just does, he loves you. He has moved heaven and earth to open a way for you to have a close relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. 
He did the impossible. He took unholy sinners and made them holy and righteous through his son so that they can come into his presence, so that they can be in relationship with him. The Bible reveals that God arranges and uses history according to his purposes so that he can reveal his work to us. I hope that you can see by reading through the book of Hebrews with us this year, that God keeps revealing the gospel to us again and again in, in more and more beautiful ways. And before we move into chapter 10, which is next week of Hebrews, let's make sure we have grasped all we can get. We've squeezed all the juice out of that lemon. We've got it all. We don't want to leave any of it behind. Because God has done such a great thing for us. We never want it to be diminished, to be taken for granted, to be overlooked. And by his spirit, he's calling us deeper into a relationship with him than we've ever had before. So let's look at what gets talked about in Hebrews chapter 9. In Hebrews chapter 9, they talk about the tabernacle. They talk about the high priests again and the priesthood. They talk about all these things. Basically, if we look at a historical diagram of the tabernacle, and I don't know how well you can see this because you're really far away, some of you, but this is a, a diagram of the tabernacle. What we find is that God is in the back room. He's, he's way removed from everything that's happening out in the courts. There's an outer court, then there's an inner court, then there's a holy place, then there's the most holy place. And God is separated from all of that. This is what God set up. He asked them to build it this way. He gave them specific instruction. Why? Why would he distance himself from us? Well, what we look at is that very, right away we realize that we're very separate from God in this Old Testament model. Normal people like you and me could never enter the holy place. As a normal person, we can't get anywhere near God. We have to have intermediaries. We have to have people in between us and Him. We have to send ambassadors and people into, into that place for us. We can never go there personally. Why can't we get anywhere near Him? Well, God is holy. That word holiness could be a whole nother study, but God is holy, meaning he's perfect in every way. And I don't care how egotistical you are, you are not perfect in every way. You got flaws, you got sins, you got brokenness, you got parts of you that don't, that don't quite make it into the holy category. Sometimes it's your thoughts, sometimes it's your words, sometimes it's your actions, sometimes it's all of those combined. But you ain't holy. And God is holy. And the two don't mix. So we have a problem. What God did in the priesthood is that he sent priests to represent the people before him who could get a little bit closer to God to perform some more acts of worship and some more sacrifices every single day. And then like we talked about earlier, once a year, on one particular day, just one priest, the high priest, he could go into the very presence of God. He could enter the Holy of Holies behind that curtain that separated God from us. 
but he could only enter if he covered everything with blood, blood from an acceptable sacrifice. This all sounds so strange, except once you realize what Christ has done, it all makes sense. Now that we know the end of the story, it all makes sense. This is not only strange sounding to our modern, in our modern lives, but this setup, this Old Testament setup, is a pretty bleak way of relating to God. It's relating to God at a distance, through somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. It's third hand, it's fourth hand, it's fifth hand. It's not personal. It's not one-on-one -on -one with God. This is a system that God set up to reveal to us what sin does. Sin separates us from the holiness of God. And that's a problem. For we all have sinned and fallen short of the holy of holies, of the glory of God. We can't go in there, not with our sin, because sin separates us. So this is the historical lesson. Like most humans, we actually sometimes feel distant from God. And what I'm here to tell you this morning is we shouldn't, if you are in Christ. You should not feel distant from your Father. He has closed the gap. He has covered the distance. He has made a way for you to be in a personal relationship with your heavenly Father. That's a big deal. We've heard it so many times growing up. We've heard it so many times in so many different ways that we start to not hear it anymore. And I don't want us to leave Hebrews 9 before we really get that deep down inside. God is not way off at a distance, as Bette Midler used to sing. That God's at a distance sort of watching us. God has closed that gap. So let's look at Hebrews 9 quickly here this morning because it reveals this truth, this beautiful truth about what God has done for us. If you look at Hebrews 9, verse 8, it tells us that by setting up this tabernacle and putting the priests to work, offering these sacrifices for the people, it says this, the Holy Spirit was actually showing by this, by this tabernacle, that the way into the most holy place, into the presence of God, had not yet been opened. There was a closed door, or a closed curtain in this case. Normal people like you and me in that time could never experience the closeness of God. Verse 9 goes on to say, this is an illustration for the present time. Now, present time for these Hebrews, not our present time, right? Because remember, this book of Hebrews was written also a couple thousand years ago. So their present time. So we went from Old Testament back in the tabernacle times to their present time when the book of Hebrews was being preached. At that time, the temple actually still existed in Jerusalem. And at that time, the priests were actually still performing their duties of worship, their sacrifices. Verse 10 tells us that the law, matters of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, the only where the external regulations only apply until, and then there's these words, until the time of the new order. 
Now, new order sounds funny to us because we hear that in, in different contexts, but this is new order in the biblical sense. So we have to ask, when does this new time begin? When these old regulations, the ones that only clean the outside, end? Well, all we have to do is keep reading. This new order change from verse 9, the present time, to verse 10, the time of the new order, the answer is in verse 11. Things changed when Christ came. The new order for us is already in place. We live in the new order under the new covenant. Do you get it? We're not living in the time of the Hebrews. We're not living in the time of the tabernacle and the temple and all of that. We're living in the time of the new order. And now new order is just a time when God says, okay, I'm changing stuff. It's not going to be like it was before. It's going to be a new way. Christ died to put that new way in place. So look with me at the proof of this in the rest of chapter 9. The new order began, 9 verse 11 says, when Christ became the high priest. In verse 15, the, the latter part of that verse says, when Christ died for our sins, the new order began. The new order began when Christ entered heaven. The new order began when Christ appeared and sacrificed himself, in verse 26, to do away with the sins once and for all. We now live in a new order, a new way of relating to God. It's not the way of a distant God. It's not the way that, uh, of our sin being able to separate us from God any longer. We live in a new order where Christ has changed that. Remember in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark, actually verse 15, 37 and 38, it says, when Jesus died with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last breath. And then what are these words? Can you read them? Read, read these lines with me. The temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. I didn't hear you. The temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. What was the temple curtain? That was the curtain that separated God from us. And when Christ died, God went and ripped it down the middle. People didn't do that. It was just done by God through his power. He ripped the curtain and opened the way through the death of Christ for us. That happened when Christ died. And you know what? 70 years later, the entire temple was destroyed by the Roman army. They laid siege on the city and eventually they took over the city and they tore the temple down stone by stone. There have been no more sacrifices since then. This is relevant to us. I know that's history, but this is relevant to us even as modern people living here in 2021 because this is what has allowed us to come home to our Heavenly Father. As Stephen, Stephen, your testimony and your baptism about, about your relationship with God as Father was, was just gold. It was just so right on, right? Because our relationship with God as Father has been restored. We have to come into that knowledge and grow into that knowledge and allow ourselves to mature into that knowledge regardless of how our Heavenly Fathers were. Because you know what? 
All our Heavenly Fathers, including me as a Heavenly Father, are sinners saved by grace. We don't do it perfectly because there ain't no perfect people. So those of you who like, you know, you know, put your father up on a pedestal, he's the perfect whatever, no he's not. There's just some things about him you, you haven't experienced so you don't know. And those of you who you put your dad down in the gutter and he's the worst thing ever, no he's not. He's a sinner, but Christ died for him and wants to restore him to a relationship with himself as well and make him into a whole new kind of father. So we have hope for fathers here this morning on Father's Day. God is the perfect father. Jesus has done this work to bring us home to our Heavenly Father. The death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ into heaven has accomplished what we needed to be close to God. Now, sometimes our feelings lie to us, right? You know that, right? Feelings are not always trustworthy. There's times when you feel a certain way and then you find out later, oh, that wasn't right. <laughs> I was going on the wrong assumption and then my feelings got involved and then I really went crazy. And then I found out, oh, oh, sorry, misunderstanding here, right? So feelings can't be trusted. These are the facts. These are the scriptural facts. What Christ has done has opened the way for us to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, a personal one. Not through a pastor, not through a priest, not through some televangelist, a personal relationship with your Heavenly Father who loves you. So much he sent Jesus to die for you. Don't let that become ordinary. Don't take that for granted. Rejoice in that. Celebrate that every day when you wake up again. Celebrate it. Because we had a problem. It was sin. And sin separated us from God. It alienated us from God. Sin also alienates us from our loved ones, doesn't it? If you're a human being, you know that when you've sinned against someone else, you just know it. Gosh, even dogs know when they've been bad. They do. Look at this dog. You know that dog pooped on the rug or something, just by the look on its face, right? So even animals can feel this, but humans, how much more? When you know you've done someone wrong, when you know you've done wrong to your Savior, something changes in you. You get this guilty conscience, this feeling of shame, and you become overwhelmed. And your guilty conscience then puts a distance between you and that person, or you and God. You know you blew it. You know you hurt someone, someone that you love. So the question is, how do we get things right again? How do we, how do we close that distance? Well, fortunately, God has shown us through his own actions. He has sent his son and offered us forgiveness. Sometimes we hadn't even asked yet. But when we do learn about God's grace, we ask for forgiveness, we receive forgiveness. We only know how to do this because God taught us to do it through his own life in Jesus Christ. Grace is amazing. Grace is undeserved forgiveness for sinners like us. Grace is a gift from God, our Father. We must live in that grace. God set up this whole tabernacle system in the Old Testament just to illustrate the power of Jesus and the beauty of forgiveness. 
in our passage this morning, verse 13, reveals that he set up this system on earth to show us that the blood of goats and bulls and ashes from the heifer, these things sprinkled on those who are unclean could only make them, the passage says, outwardly clean. Which again, you got to get their sense of sacredness in blood. Because it doesn't sound clean to be covered with ashes and blood. But to them, because of the sacredness and the power of blood and that life was in the blood, it brought them a sacred cleansing on the outside. But being outwardly clean is not our problem. We got plenty, we got plenty of product, don't we? We got plenty of soaps and perfumes and scrub brushes and hair brushes and we got all kinds of stuff to clean ourselves and bleach if we really need it bad, you know? Like, we got it all to clean the outside, but how are you going to clean your inside? How are you going to get rid of your guilty conscience? How are you going to gain forgiveness when you know you've done what's wrong? There's no soap for that. There's no product for that. Being outwardly clean is not our real problem. What we really need is to be inwardly clean. When we're inwardly clean, we have an inner peace with ourselves, with God, and with others. There's a peace. There's a, there's a wholeness there. It's not all broken and sharp pieces anymore. It's, it's smooth. It's better. It's, it, it, it brings joy. We want to be cleansed from the shame we feel from committing the sins that we know we've committed. Cleansed of the words that we regret saying. Cleansed of the sins that we're ashamed of committing. Cleansed of the actions that we wish we could undo. Cleansed of the things that we never want anyone to find out about. Cleansed of even the thoughts that we've had. We carry these burdens in us. These are the things that no amount of soap can wash away. These are our failures, our regrets, our traumas, our secrets, and they cause pain, they cause shame, they cause us to withdraw. These are the things that make us want to hide from God and from others. Just like Adam and Eve, after they sinned in the garden, they ran from God. And like all humans, instead of running to God for help, they ran and they hid from him because of their guilty conscience. We see it illustrated in God's word. But people, Hebrews chapter 9 tells us that Jesus came to bring a new order. And the new order is now intimacy with God through the forgiveness of your sins. There's nothing better than that. A new covenant in Christ's blood, which offers forgiveness of our sins. Verse 14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, how much more will that blood cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death? Sins. So that we may serve our living God. Serving God is simply worship, right? Worship's not just singing or dancing or rejoicing in that sense. Worship is actually anything that we do when we center our lives around God. 
living in his presence every moment of every day because now the way has been opened so that we can live in God's presence. People, you are not distant from God if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus has covered you and has closed the distance and has opened your relationship with the Father. So act like it. Talk like it. Pray like it. We're going to learn about this as we go further into this book. But it says to come boldly into God's presence. Joyfully, boldly entering into the presence of God. Not afraid, not ashamed. I was having breakfast with a friend one time over at uh, the 122 and the waitress was recognizing that we were talking about church stuff and she's like, oh, I can't go to church. If I go to church, the, the whole building will fall in on me and I'll be crushed to death. I, what are you talking about? But this is the idea that gets set in people's minds because they know they're guilty of their sins and they know that God is a holy God and they know that there needs to be some kind of payment. They think they have to pay it themselves. They don't realize that Jesus already paid the payment. Hallelujah. They need to be told the good news. Guess what? The building won't fall in on you. You won't be crushed because Jesus was crushed for your sins. He was broken for you. His blood was poured out for you so that you can become a child of God who boldly enters into daddy's presence with joy, not fear. Perfect love casts out that fear. So I want you to know that you can be excited about your Heavenly Father. You can be excited about entering into His presence, spending time with Him, talking to Him, because you're right with Him through Jesus Christ. Your relationship is fixed through Jesus Christ. You were created to be near your Heavenly Father. That's why we're given this name to call Him Father. He watches over us. He protects us. He provides for us. And the blood of Jesus is what allows us to become his children. We should joyfully accept this and boldly enter in. But I want you to hear this passage from Hebrews 4. Let's go back there. Let's not move on too quickly. In Hebrews 4, starting in verse 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we profess. Hold firmly to the gospel truth. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with all our weaknesses. But we have one who was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. He was holy. So the last part of that verse says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's read that aloud together. This verse is key for our understanding of our relationship with God. Ready? I want to hear you. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The only way we can approach confidently is through Jesus Christ, through what he has done for you and for me. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. We thank you for the joy that it puts in place in our life. We thank you that it unburdens us from all of our shame and, and, and all of the, the things that, that want to haunt us. Jesus has paid the price. The final sacrifice has been given and it was accepted by you, our Father. We thank you that we have a relationship with you, not a distant one, not a broken one, not a dysfunctional one. We have a whole, healthy, good relationship with you when we come to you through Jesus Christ. You've opened the way. You've torn the curtain from top to bottom. There is no separation anymore. Help us to live into that truth. Help us not to let our feelings fool us. When we feel alone or when we feel isolated, Lord, help us to go back to the truth. Who are we in Christ? We are your children. Christ has paid the price so that we can come confidently to our Heavenly Father. So on this Father's Day, we want to say we love you, Father. We love you because you first loved us and you sent your one and only Son to bring us back to you. We want to celebrate the fact that we're back with you. We are in a relationship with you. A good and healthy and whole relationship. Not because we made it happen, but because Jesus made it happen on our behalf. We praise you for this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's sing that song again. I want to just remind you, the words are just so beautiful. And it will help us if you realize the goodness of God. If you understand how good he has been to you. It changes your perspective on everything. If you start to believe a lie, you got to go back to God's word. You got to look for the truth and you got to put it back in place in your brain and in your heart and in your life so you can live by the truth. It is only the truth of God's goodness that will set you free. Amen.